Thank you for listening to the Pursuit Church podcast. This is more than a podcast. Pursuit Church is a movement to connect to Jesus and make a difference. If you need prayer or would like to financially support our mission, reach out to us online at PursuitChurchSA.com. Now grab your headphones and get ready to dive into this week's message. Hey, listen, last week, if you weren't here, or in fact, who was here last week? Actually, just just make some noise. Who who was here last week for Vision Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. And let me catch you up real quick if you weren't here. And you can always go check out the podcast on our website, Vision Sunday. We are believing this year to be the year of more. Amen. The year of more, 2024. Uh, last week's Vision Sunday was all about that. So, again, if you missed it, go back and check it out. But here's the thing. If we're going to have more, and listen to the podcast if you don't remember what that means, or go back to your notes from last week. If you want more in your life, there's a good chance that it's going to require some change. Right? There's probably some change that we're going to need to have and see in our life. So starting right now, this week, we are starting a new series called Changed. Would you just give it up for Pastor Karen, who's bringing week one of change? Thank you. That's my hype guy, y'all. He always hypes me up, so I don't know. I don't know if we can believe all that. But it's a year of change. I love how he said there's more in 2024. (laughs) That's clever, but that'll make you think. There's more. God has more for you this year. He's a progressive God, right? I said that last week. God is progressive. Everything he creates, he expects it. He doesn't just want it. He expects it to grow, to change, to become more. So the same thing is true of us. We're created in his image, right? So this is the year for more. Now, before I get started with my message, let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for every single family represented by every single soul in this room, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit just speak through me. God, get me out of the way. Because in me, apart from you, there's nothing good. So, Lord, speak through me. Take control of my mind, my will, my emotions, my thoughts. Give me the right diction, the connotation, the breath that I need, Lord, to deliver the word that you've put in my heart today. God, I pray that you soften hardened hearts, that you just start tilling the ground, tilling the ground, Lord, and prepare our hearts for what you want to say to us. And Lord, I pray that we are all changed today from the inside out to be more like you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and it is through him that we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to need a water break. Man, I got hyped up yesterday. Mm. I love me some Texans. I was on a hiatus there for a while. Man, but I'm back. My Texans are back. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about football. I got to get over that. (laughs) I'm so proud of my Texans. Anyway, let me ask you something. How many people here today want to see something change in your life this year? Raise your hand. Participatory church. Come on now. Right? Most of us do. Well, you know, statistics show that 9% of people who make a New Year's resolution Only 9% actually see it through to completion. It's wild, right? And 50% of those people by the end of January, about 50% have already like gotten off of it, moved on, didn't work. And, you know, I think that most people or many people really do start off a new year wanting to change something in their life, right? And even if you don't make a resolution... You still start off strong. You start off strong. You start working towards the change. But then something happens somewhere along the line. And you just can't keep it up. Just can't keep it up. Or you you keep it up 
And it, it doesn't really change things. Or maybe they change for a little bit, but then they go back right to where they were to begin with. Has that ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to you? You start to change something and you're just like, man, this ain't working out. So you just give up. It happened to me. And I think it's because most people believe that real change comes through behavior modification. That's what we've been taught. Think about it. That's what we've been taught. If you modify the behavior, you'll change. The problem is behavior modification, it only lasts as long as the behavior does. And when you can't keep it up, or, or if it doesn't produce the results you thought it would, you're upset, you're discouraged, and you're wondering why didn't it work out. Anytime we want to change something, we need to look at our reason, our why. Why do you want to change? You see, real lasting change only comes through spiritual transformation, not behavior modification. Real lasting change is only going to come through spiritual transformation, not behavior modification. It's not just changing what we do on the outside, but letting God change us on the inside. That's the key to real and lasting change. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 7. And actually, I love Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read it to you. Read it with me. It should be on the screen. It says, I, starting in verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Did you catch that? Paul is acknowledging that something else is leading him to sin. It's something else. And it's something else that leads us all, all of us to sin. And it's called our sinful nature. And it's exactly what King David was talking about in Psalm 51, 5, when he said, I was sinful at birth. Paul said what we all say. I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. But now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who does it, but it's sin living in me that does it. He goes on to say, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Paul is saying that he wants to do what God says to do. He wants to live his life for God. However, he says, there's another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Remember, the battlefield is our mind. Paul is saying this. There's a war raging in my mind. And it's making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? What he means by that is sin brings death. Death of your dreams. Death of your future. Sin brings death. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
He's starting to get it. Paul is saying, look, man, I want to do what is right. I want to obey God, but I keep doing what's wrong. It's like I'm on this hamster wheel. I'm on a wheel going around, going around, and I can't get off. I keep trying, but it's not working. I'm a hot mess. Who can set me free from all of that desire to sin? And then he says, Jesus, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus, y'all. It's not just for Paul. He's for all of us. This is revelation stuff, y'all. For me, it was what? That explains it. It's the desire to sin in us, and we can't do anything apart from Jesus. You wonder why you can't seem to stop doing that, that thing, that habit you hate. The desire in you wants to do right, but you can't do it, and you're wondering why. Well, Paul's telling us why. It's because we were born with a desire to do the wrong thing. But he's also telling us that we don't got to stay that way. We don't got to stay that way because Jesus came to set us free from all of that. Man, that's good news. If y'all didn't come for anything else, take that home. That is good news. When you truly understand that you were born with a propensity, a desire towards sin and and, uh, 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 the way you do things towards sin, it helps you realize when you're born realizing that it helps you realize that you need Jesus to set you free. Paul is telling us that any real and lasting change is only possible through God. Now, you know what? Sure, you can lose all the weight you want, buy you a new face, bulk up, get some more money. The list goes on and on. You can do that. But at the end of the day, does any of that really change your life? Does any of that set you free from the desire to sin? Nope. No, it doesn't. It doesn't because real and lasting change only comes through a spiritual transformation, not behavior modification. So today I'm going to share with you what that looks like. But first I want to introduce three mindsets that most Christians have when it comes to change. Now, these aren't my ideas, so don't be impressed. They're not my ideas. They came from another pastor's name is Jerry Bridges. I don't even know who he is, but I wanted to share them with you. Because it's important to understand your thought process when it comes to anything. You need to understand why you're thinking that way. Most Christians tend to look at change from one of these perspectives. And the first one is God, then me. In other words, God saves me, then it's up to me to change on my own. This is classic works-based thinking. We think God's grace is only meant for salvation. And then after that, well, you're on your own. And we start doing all these things that we think are going to change us, make us a better person. And then after trying and failing over and over and over, we give up. Not understanding why we just can't seem to change or keep up the change. Well, we can't change because we're trying to do it in our own strength. And that's not going to work. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing as in no thing. So do you see how the mindset of God then me is a wrong way to look at change? The second way we tend to look at change is this God, not me. These are those people. I believe I got the faith. I believe I'm not saying nothing about having faith and believing in God, but here's the deal. 
It's thinking, well, if God wants that for me, he's going to do it. I don't have any part in this. I don't have to put forth any effort. I don't have any responsibility. It's all on you, God. If you want it, you're going to bring it. Give you an example. It's a person who, you know, say they want a job, right? But they've got these very specific criteria. They're holding out for a management position. Some of y'all going to get that, but anyway. They got very specific criteria, and they're not willing to move off of it. So they just keep struggling financially, thinking, oh, God's going to make a way. The Lord will make a way. God's in control of my life. He's going to bring exactly what my heart desires, because they heard somewhere God gives us the desires of our heart. Um, let me just say something, and I mean it with all due respect. Just because your heart desires something doesn't mean God's going to give it to you exactly like you want it. He's not an ATM, y'all. And besides, your heart don't know what you need. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above everything else. Your heart don't know what you need. Your heart may want something that you're not even ready to have. Or something you don't even need in your life. You know, your heart will get you to wanting something that's just going to bring you lots of drama down the road. And God, in his infinite Infinite mercy. He's not going to set you up for failure by giving you everything you want exactly how you want it. God knows the desire of your heart. But he also knows you might need to grow up a little bit. You might need to start taking responsibility for something. Start trusting him and believing that he knows what's best. I'm just saying. The third mindset is God through me. And this is the best one. This is the best one. God through me. This is when you know you got a part to play. And you're not going to box God in. I want it this way. No, no. You're not going to box God in. You're going to do what you can do and then let God be God and do what you cannot do. This is the right mindset because you actually realize that you have a role to play. You have a role to partner with God. You're not sitting back waiting on him to do it all. You're going to be like those priests when Joshua said, put your foot in the water. They're looking around. The river's raging. They're like, what? But you know what they did? They did it. They stepped in the water. They did what they could do. And God did what they couldn't do. He parted the river so they could cross on through. God through me mindset is what is going to lead to real and lasting change. Because you're not out there trying to make things happen on your own. At the same time, you're not sitting back waiting for God to do it all. You're doing what you can do, trusting God to do what you can't, and you're not boxing them in. And when you do that, your heart posture is right. It's humble. It's teachable. You're trusting God. I want you to look back at the Apostle Paul. Now think about who Paul was. This is a guy who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. The New Testament is the good news of Jesus. Paul wrote three-fourths of this. He was an educated man. He was a successful man. He's a businessman. And he was very religious at one point in his life. He knew all of God's laws. Paul could have gotten full of himself. And he could have said, I don't need God. I've got this. I know what I'm supposed to do. But he didn't. He recognized his weaknesses. And Paul knew he was powerless to save himself. Look at what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul is telling us. God did this. It was because of his great love for us, his mercy. Even when we were in the middle of our sin, headed straight to hell. God offered us life through Jesus Christ. It's God's grace. That's what saves us. That's what that verse is saying. 
Paul knew it wasn't anything he did that saved him. He knew it was only because of God's grace that he was even still alive, y'all. After all the stuff that Paul had done, all the pride, all the sin, the murder. And Paul understood that only Jesus can change somebody. This is what he was talking about in Romans chapter 7. I want to do what I'm supposed to do. I want to do what's right. I just can't seem to do it. What a wretched man I am. Who's going to rescue me from this body that always wants to sin, that's subject to sin and death? Thanks be to God who will deliver me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul knew he couldn't save himself. Paul knew he couldn't change himself. And he was telling us that we need God's grace because, and if you are taking notes and if you're not, write this down. The same grace that saves you is the same grace that's going to help you change. I mean, we, we can understand saving grace, right? It's God's amazing grace saves me, a wretch like me. We understand that for the most part. Most of us know that it's by God's grace we're saved, not anything we did. But I want you to understand that same grace is what gives us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a gift through Jesus Christ. Saving grace is changing grace. You see, a spiritual transformation is not possible through personal willpower. Spiritual transformation is empowered by the Holy Spirit only. That means that the Holy Spirit gives you the power to change. But that having been said, you're still going to need a plan. Who knows if you want to change something, you need a plan, right? You need a plan. That's your part. That's the part you can do. You can come up with a plan. But don't rely on your own willpower or your own strength. So that means your plan is going to require something different, a different kind of why. Your plan for change has to involve a spiritual why and a spiritual how. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So say I decide I want to lose weight, right? I'm tired of wearing leggings all the time. I want to fit back into those jeans that are sitting way back in my closet, right? I'm tired of wearing leggings. I want to get in those jeans. Well, that's all nice and everything, but there's this one little problem. I like to eat food. I like the wrong kind of food. You know, they say, oh, well, eat fish. I eat fish. I eat catfish, and I throw some fried stuff on there and some tartar sauce. And Yeah, it's the wrong kind of food. So there's a little problem there, right? I may want to fit back in my jeans, And I I can do what I've always done, you know, try to get that willpower going. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But I can tell you what, it's probably going to end up like it does every year. I lose a little bit of weight, but it goes right back to not fitting in those jeans. So instead of me looking at it as leggings versus jeans, this year, I have a spiritual why. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, my body is the temple of the Lord. And I want to honor and steward well what God has given me. So my why isn't about leggings and jeans. It's about God's temple. Stewarding well the body God has given me. What do you want to change this year? What do you want to change this year? Think about it. That's a rhetorical question. What do you want to change this year? Do you want a better marriage? What's the spiritual why? Is it so you can have the kind of marriage you want? Or... Is it so that your marriage honors and brings God glory the way it's supposed to? Maybe there's an addiction you need to break this year. 
Are you trying to do it just to get rid of the guilt and the shame? Maybe feel better about yourself? I, I don't know. Or is it so that you can honor God with your life? Yes. That you aren't in chains anymore. And you can honor God with your life. A life that's going to lead others to him. Maybe, maybe you want to change something in your finances. Um, is it because you want to buy more stuff? Or, or maybe keep the stuff you already got. That stuff in there is just collecting dust. Man, I went through the house the other day and I told Pastor Bob, I said, I got to get rid of some stuff. I, my mom died a few years ago and I inherited all this stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is junk. What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with crystal? Who even uses crystal anymore? I'm thinking there's so much stuff I need to get rid of. So maybe you need some financial help. Do you want to do it to hold on to the stuff you already have, buy more stuff? Or is it so that you can forward the kingdom of God yes. through a life of generosity? You know, storing up treasures on earth, that's not what the Bible says to do. The Bible says you need to store up your treasures in heaven. That's, those are lives changed by God. And it comes from you living a life of generosity, sowing what you have, what God's done for you into their lives so they can come to know him too. What change do you need to make in 2024? Whatever it is, ask yourself, what's the why? And just make sure that your why is a spiritual why. Because that's what's going to keep you focused, mission-driven, and it's going to bring real, lasting change. And when you have a spiritual why, God's going to help you. He's going to help you because when you have a spiritual why, you're showing him that you want to obey him. And you recognize that you need his help to change. When you do that, when you know that you need God's help, that helps you develop a posture of a humble heart. And that will change your how. You stop relying on your own strength, on your own willpower to bring about the change you want. And you come to the same realization that the Apostle Paul did. We're all a mess without Jesus. Apart from Jesus, there's nothing good in any of us. That's humility, y'all. That's humility. Pride says, I, I, know, I want what I want. I know what I need. I've got this. I'm smart. I don't need God. I can do this. Well, maybe that's why change never lasts. Because you know what James 4, 6 says? James 4, 6 says God opposes the proud. But he gives grace, that saving, changing grace to the humble. We need God's grace and we need his Holy Spirit to change for good. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us into God, who God created us to be. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us into who God originally created us to be. That is the how, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Zerubbabel. He was a leader, and his job was in charge of the temple rebuild in Jerusalem. Well, Zerubbabel had been working on this project for a long time, and he kept getting discouraged. He kept all these delays. How many people here have ever tried to build something, a house or any construction delays? They're maddening. You go on the freeway, and there's construction delays. So Zerubbabel was having all these construction delays, and he was getting discouraged. He was about ready to quit. He needed something to change. He had a spiritual why. Zerubbabel had a spiritual why. He was going to try to help rebuild the temple, right? He just needed to be reminded of the how. So God sent a prophet, Zechariah, to tell him that the work would be done. And this is what it says in Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, not by your power, but by the spirit of the Lord Almighty. Yes. 
If you want to break an addiction this year, find your spiritual why. And then lean on the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from those chains holding you down. If your marriage needs to change, find your spiritual why. And then your how is going to be to put God in the center of your marriage. Do you know what Ecclesiastes 4.12 says? It says that a three-fold cord is not easily broken. A three-fold cord is you, your spouse, and God. That's not easily broken. That's your spiritual how. Friends, there are some things that all of us need to change in our lives. There are some things in our lives that aren't meant to be part of your story. That's a fact. Rage, uncontrolled anger, jealousy, unforgiveness. You think you've forgiven them, but every time you see them, it just triggers you. That's unforgiveness, y'all. Poverty, lack, those things aren't supposed to be part of your story. God owns a cattle in a thousand hills. If you're his child, it belongs to you too. Poverty and lack are not supposed to be part of your story. None of that. None of that. But maybe there's something else in your life that you want to see changed. So as we move into this year, we still just got our toe in the water a little bit. But as we progress into this year, let me encourage you. Take an assessment of your life. Ask yourself, what's been good? What hasn't been good? What's worked out? What hasn't worked out? What's been a disappointment? What have you learned from your missteps? What do you want to change? And for the things that you know need to change, you'll need to come up with a plan. Find your spiritual why and let your how be to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. God through you. This will bring a spiritual transformation, which is the only way to have any real and lasting change in your life. And then remember... God gives you the grace that you need for everything. The same grace that saves you, that's the grace that's going to help you change. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads? Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is a double-edged sword. It is sharper than any sword, Lord. It is so sharp. It cuts through the doubt, the confusion. It cuts through pride. It cuts through hardened hearts, Lord. So thank you for your word, Lord. And thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace that you give it to us every moment of our lives. Lord, let your grace just manifest in your house today, Lord. I pray that every single person here will feel your grace, Lord. It's your grace that draws us into you, Father. It's your grace that saves us, saves us from that hamster wheel that we can't seem to get off of, Lord, that saves us from continuing to do all the wrong things when in our hearts we really want to do what's right. Father, thank you for that grace. Lord, let that grace draw us into you. Through your grace, soften hardened hearts all over this room. Hearts that are just kind of resisting your spirit, resisting your word. Hearts that have been living their way without you. God, I know that there are people here today, they just don't understand that grace. They don't know you like that. Father, draw them into a relationship with you. 
Lord, give them eyes to see that they need you in their lives. Draw them by the power of your Holy Spirit out of the life of striving and trying and failing. Draw them by the power of your Holy Spirit into a life with you where you lead them, you guide them, you watch over them, you protect them, and you provide them. Father God, draw those people into you right now. Lord, draw us all closer to you. Help us see areas that we need to change this year, Lord, and give us the strength that only comes through your Holy Spirit to change those things. Lord, give us hearts that are willing, pliable, malleable, teachable, willing to surrender to you and let you work some stuff out in us. Lord, thank you for who you are. You are our healer, our savior in the mighty name of Jesus.